right? Who's excited to be in church together today? Man, I'm so glad to be with you. And can we just give it up for the sun coming out in Alaska? Come on now. We're so excited. A little vitamin D makes all of life a little bit better, doesn't it? Uh, It's so good. If you're with us online, we love you. Online family, make sure you type in the chat where you're watching from and let us know how we can be praying for you. There's somebody right there as an online host that wants to be praying for you as well online family. So if you have a Bible, open up to Mark chapter 7. Uh, We are in a series called Counter Culture. And the conversation that we're having throughout this summer is about how Jesus gives us a different way to live. And as we walk through the gospel of Mark, which is the story, the life, uh, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we're asking ourselves this question, how does Jesus present a countercultural way to live? And that's the lens that we're using to read through the whole book of Mark. We're on chapter 7, which means we're on week 7 of the series. We're going all 16 weeks, all 16 chapters. So uh, if you've never read through a whole book of the Bible, this summer is your chance, okay? So start reading through the book of Mark. It won't take you long to catch up. And just read a chapter a week. If you miss a week, you can just read along. You can join us online. Stay engaged this summer. Uh, A lot of times we'll choose a book of the Bible to go through the entire summer together because people are coming and going and camping and fishing and all of those things. But we just want to stay on the same page together. And listen, I'm so excited about this fall. Our uh, preaching team got together and spent some time away on the Kenai, just praying, asking God about what he wants us to share and, and preach on this next year. And in fact, many of you know at Easter, this last Easter, you filled out a survey that was about the stresses that you experience in your life. So we brought all that information together and just talked and prayed, and, and I'm, I'm just fired up about where we're going this fall and what God's going to do uh, in our church family in this next season of ministry. And so really excited about that, but stick with us throughout the series. Uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 7, and we're going to start off in verse 14, and we're going to talk about this moment that Jesus is challenging the religious leaders, which seems to be a rhythm in Jesus' life. He loves to challenge the religious leaders, and it says this, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So many of you know our uh, teenagers went off to Mexico a few weeks ago. My daughters and wife went on that trip and just had an incredible time. My wife shared a little bit of a story with me. I'll share with you. She, uh, whenever she goes on these trips, she's one of the leaders, and she loves to drive when they're driving vehicles instead of riding because she gets carsick. So she's like, I'll just be in the front. That's going to be better for me. And so uh, she went with Pastor Josh to go pick up these two minivans for uh, the students. And so they show up at the, at the, at the uh, rental car lot, and she gets her minivan, he gets his. They get in their cars, and, and they're supposed to go, go find these students. And her job is just to follow Pastor Josh. They just get behind him and follow him. And so uh, he pulls out, she pulls out behind him, and they're, they pull up on the highway. And they're, they're going along, and 
And all of a sudden, she notices, notices him kind of driving a little erratically, which isn't that unusual for Pastor Josh, but she's like, this is kind of strange. And switching lanes, and she gets in that lane, then switches another lane, gets into that lane, then he takes an exit. She follows him on the exit. She's like, man, this, is, this seems like a long ways to go find where the students are at. And finally, this guy pulls into a grocery store, and this middle-aged man with a flat-brim hat steps out, and it's not Pastor Josh. It's some other guy. She followed the wrong van. She's like, oh no, where am I lost in San Diego? And uh, don't worry, she found the children. It was all just fine. But the question I have for you today uh, is this, what is guiding your life right now? What is guiding your life right now? And whether you know it or not, uh, whether you believe it or not, the answer is what's guiding your life right now is your heart. Our hearts guide our lives. And the question that nobody's asking that we need to be asking today is this, how is it with your heart? If our heart is what's guiding our lives, if we tend to follow our hearts, how is it with your heart? We live in a society that says, just follow your heart, right? If you watch a movie, most movies, that literally is the plot line, right? The main character has some kind of dream, some kind of passion, and their friends and their family and their parents are just keeping them down, right? Keeping them from what all that they want to do in their lives. And then finally, they break free from, from their parents. They break free from the people keeping them down. They follow their heart, and they live happily ever after. Isn't that real life? Isn't it real life that whenever you follow your heart, it just leads to joy and fulfillment and happily ever after? Well, I'll tell you what, that's not the story of my life. It's not, and it might not be the story of yours. You know, the heart's a very important thing to consider. The book of Mark talks about the heart. Uh, The Bible mentions the heart over a thousand times. And when we say the heart, some of you are kind of picking up on, I'm not talking about the blood pumping muscle that's in your chest, Right? I'm talking about something deeper. Now, what is the heart? How would we define the heart? Uh, Here's a simple definition. The heart is the spiritual source of all of your desires and emotions. The heart is the spiritual source of every desire and every emotion. Now, when your physical heart has problems, you know it, right? Uh, Some of you have had heart attacks or heart issues, and you know that like there are some signs that, that tend to show you you've got something going on. You need to check it out, right? If you're here in church today and you have uh, a, a heart that's out of rhythm and it's beating at a, a weird pace, you know, like, I need to get that checked out. If you have pain in your chest, you know that you've got some heart problems. And the same is true when it comes to our spiritual hearts. There are some signs uh, based on what comes out of our mouth that we've got some problems with our hearts, I was just thinking this week, what are a few of the signs, what are the things that I've said over the years that tend to indicate an issue with my heart? Here's one. I don't know why I did that. You ever said that? You ever done something and you're like, where did that come from? I I don't know why I did that. Maybe you've said this. I'm not sure where that came from. Whatever that was, something you did or said. Maybe you said this. uh, Those words just slipped, honey, right? They just kind of slipped out. Maybe you've said this before, that's not who I am. Have you done something that you thought, that's out of character, that's not who I am, that's, that's not really me, and been almost surprised by your behavior, by your actions, by your, your words, and if you've been there, here's the deal, it all comes from your heart. And this is the harsh reality that no, nobody really wants to admit today, is that it all came from the heart, because we want to assume that our hearts are good, 
and that they're in a good place. And, and this is why I think the narrative in every movie is always like, hey, just go follow your heart, and it's going to lead to fulfillment and joy everlasting. Because we just tend to think, my heart's always in the right place. We even say that about other people. Oh, her heart was in the right place. Uh, she acted like an idiot, but her heart was in the right place. You know, oh, his heart was in the right place. He said something completely rude and, and offensive, but his heart was in the right place. You know, Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So go follow your heart, right? Like, you got to decide if you believe the Bible or not. And, and I know some of you are even wrestling with this because you're like, no, I think my heart is good. The question is, what's flowing out? What's flowing out tends to be an indicator of the condition of your hearts. Matthew 12, 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now that's challenging, right? So when I say something to you and I go, whoops, uh, I, I say, that's not my heart. What I mean to say is I didn't mean to say that because it is my heart. I didn't mean to let my heart out, but there's something about everything that we say that is in our hearts. When we say those words to our friends, to our spouse, to our co-workers, there's something in our hearts that are sick. And so some context for this particular passage, um, we've got these Pharisees who have traveled to Jerusalem from Galilee over a hundred miles to confront Jesus and to call him out. And Jesus is speaking to them about these ceremonial laws. Now, God gave them laws to follow, right? So Israel had certain laws, different types of laws that they were to follow. But what these religious leaders were doing were stacking their own laws on top of God's laws. And when you're all about the behavior, this is what you will always tend to do. Is you will always stack your own laws on top of God law, God's laws. And so that's literally what's going on is that these traditions of the religious leaders had become more important than God's law and more important than the heart. And what you need to understand is that, about God's law is that it was always about the heart. It was always about showing people the condition of the hearts of humanity, and it was always a foreshadowing of Jesus who would come and rescue us from our sin and give us a new heart. And so this is what the law was about, but they didn't understand that. They built these traditions and rules and regulations above and beyond the laws of God. In fact, historically, we've got some different uh, uh, things that, we've, that we can read that indicate the condition of these religious leaders at this time. This was within 100 or 200 years after uh, Jesus. Rabbi Eliezer says this, He who expounds the scriptures in opposition to the tradition has no share in the world to come. In other words, if the way you interpret the, the, the scriptures is different than our traditions, you don't go to be with Jesus forever. Uh, I'll tell you what, if, if a pastor ever says that, run the other way, right? Uh, here's one. This is from the Mishnah, which is the earliest collection of the Jewish oral tradition. It says, It is greater, a greater offense to teach anything contrary to the voice of the rabbis than to contradict scripture itself. Come on, like, that's intense, right? That would be like me saying, like, man, it's, it's a greater offense to God that you disagree with me than for you to disagree with the Bible. Once again, any pastor ever says that, run the other way, right? Because you know that's not true. Now, before you get too judgy on the people and the rabbis and the people that were existing in that point, here's the reality. We all do this in different ways. We have all placed our traditions and our perspectives above what God says in our lives, and sometimes in the lives of others, 
We've created standards that even God didn't give, but they make us comfortable, and they make us sometimes feel better and holier than the people around us. And that's what's going on is they're manipulating people with their rules and their laws, and Jesus is like, "Uh uh-uh. This is not how it is in my kingdom. I love the message translation of uh, Matthew or Mark 7, 7, 18. It says this. He says, are you being willfully stupid? So Jesus, <laughs> this is not the, the picture of Jesus that's above grandma's dinner table on the wall, right? This is a different Jesus where he's confronting. And what you see in the life of Jesus is that when it's the crowd, he's, he's pretty kind. Um, and I don't think Jesus ever stops being kind. He just gets very direct uh, with his disciples and with the religious leaders. He says, literally, are you being willfully stupid? Are you willfully rejecting the truth of what I'm saying to you? And again, we tend to do this. Some, some of us, listen, I would guess that there's somebody in the room today, you don't want the truth. To be willfully stupid is to willfully reject the truth that's right in front of your face, to protect your perspectives. And this is something that we all tend to do. And so be aware of that. This is what they were doing. And this is something that church people can do. You see, I, I truly believe that sometimes religion makes you stupid. Sometimes we can, we can go to church and we can do these religious-looking things and totally miss the point of why we exist in the world. Listen, when we exchange a real relationship with a living God for commitment to going to church, living morally, managing our image, and manipulating people that Jesus died for, we are acting stupid. We are missing the whole point of why we exist. So Mark 7, 18, this this is in the ESV. Then are you also without understanding? That's a variation of that same phrase. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Jesus is confronting their their, their food laws. and, And once again, He's, he's showing them, like, yeah, God has given them laws. There were certain uh, clean foods and unclean foods, but it was all intended to show them that it was, it was really about the heart. It's about the heart because food goes in and then it goes out, right? I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to go into any more descriptions, but that's literally what he's saying. Food comes in and it goes out. But, but that's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about things that do affect your life and affect your heart. And those are the things we want to deal with. So listen, what's coming into your life right now that sticks with you? Is there anything in your life that you're starting to see affect your heart and, and make, make your heart sick? If we're honest, there's a lot of things that we let into our lives, and we don't want to admit it, but, but we've allowed it, right? That we're actually complicit in the sickness of our own hearts. Uh, I, I remember uh, a few years ago, I was hunting with some friends, and um, we're out in the woods, and had this tent set up, and we left really early in the morning, and it was kind of just a, we woke up too late, and so we were grabbing all of our stuff really quickly, and left the tent, and we're gone for the whole day. We get back late at night, and as we're pulling up to the tent, I, I realize, and I can see that the front zipper of the tent is wide open, and you know, inside the tent is all of our food, supplies, and all of these things, and so like, you know, so we, we start pointing fingers, like, who left the tent open, Right? Because we know this is a problem when you leave the front zipper of your tent open. Because what you're doing is, is leaving all of your stuff open to predators, right? That they can just kind of wander in and, and get your stuff. Now some of you are like, well, I, I think a bear probably can get through the side of a tent. So why worry about it? But I will tell you, this is the perspective a lot of people have on their life. Is they say, well, the junk's just going to get in somehow, so why worry about it? Can I just tell you, that is a foolish way of doing things. 
to, to go like, hey, everything's going to just find a way in, so I'm just, I'm just going to leave the front zipper of my tent open because things are going to get in. But the truth is we do this. We leave the front zipper of our lives open, and, and the tent is open to all of these different things that come in and are not leading to health in our hearts, but are stealing our peace and stealing our joy. And the predators are coming in, and they're stealing our marriages, and there's divorce rate is through the roof, and, and they're stealing our relationships and our friendships, and it's stealing our lives. And so what's coming into the tent? What have you just left the front zipper open to? Maybe it's negativity. Are you around negative people all the time? Do you find yourself gravitating towards other negative people so you don't have to feel bad about your own negativity? You know? Like, I can't tell you how many times this summer I've heard, Alaska is killing me, right? Give me some dang sunshine. I mean, there are people that are very, and, and I, I get it. I've been a little frustrated with the weather too. But, but listen, do you surround yourself with complainers? With people that are just going to be a negative to the point where I see people questioning their calling and their location. I'm going to move. I'm going to leave the state because I'm going to get a little sunshine. And some of you are vitamin D deficient. Nothing, not ragging on you. But I'm just saying there's tanning boots. And there's other ways to do things to get by. The sunshine is coming. But maybe you just get around negative people and that's what's coming into your heart. You just left the tent wide open. Maybe it's gossip. Do you have conversations with people and ever walk away thinking negatively about somebody that wasn't part of that conversation? That's called gossip. Gossip, if you don't know what gossip is, it's when we talk about people but not to them. That's gossip. In fact, we were talking about this as a staff, that, man, we, we want to be a, a place where, where we don't have gossip in our community. And one of our staff members said, well, I think we should do the 24-hour rule. And I was like, what is that? She said, well, the 24-hour rule is when somebody tells me something about somebody else, I tell them, hey, you have 24 hours to go talk to them. And I said, okay, it's official. We're doing the 24-hour rule. So church-wide, that's, that's who we are as a church. No gossip, right? Because it's very unsafe to talk to people about other people when they're just going to tell you to go talk to them. And that's the kind of community that we want is where, man, 24 hours. We don't talk about other people. But if you get around gossipers, I promise you, you will start to think negatively about everyone. Maybe it's discontentment. Have you opened the tent to discontentment, and the predator's just wandering in and filling you with this, this discontentment about your life. Like, listen, if you're on a beach in Hawaii, scrolling Instagram, watching another friend on a beach in a different location, trying to figure out if their vacation is better than your vacation, you have a heart problem, Amen. right? You have an issue, and I'm just saying, I've done this. I've been there, and I'm like, why am I watching somebody in Cancun while I'm in Hawaii on a family vacation? This is not okay. Get off the social media, but all it does is feed discontentment, and yet we keep running back to it. If you start your day with that, there's no wonder there's discontentment in your life. Maybe it's lust. This is a huge issue, because can we be honest? Like, skin is coming at us from every direction, and, and this, this is just kind of the world we live in, but um, my wife and I, we, we tend to find a Netflix series every winter and just kind of watch it, and it's, it's a way to, to get through the dark, cold winter months, and this last year, we got on Netflix, found a series that everybody was talking about, started watching it, and within the first 20 seconds of the first episode was this pornographic scene. And we we're like, oh my gosh, shut it off. Let's find a different one. So then we found a different one, started watching it. Within the first 30, 40 minutes of that episode was another pornographic scene. And I'm like, ah, can't we watch anything anymore? And we found a third series. It did the same thing, and we decided we're just going to keep watching. 
And so we watched the first episode, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. And by the sixth episode, we realized that the only scene that, that was like that was in the first episode, which we were talking about. We we're like, why do they do that? Why do they put that in the first episode? It didn't need it. wasn't part of the plot. What's the point? Well, the point is Hollywood understands our hearts better than we do. They know if I can, if I can stream in and feed you a flow of sickness and disease into your household, a flow of lust into your heart, that it will continue, that you continue to watch the series, and, and what you're going to say is, oh, I just love the plot line, right? I just want to see what happens next, but what the heart wants to see is what it saw in the first episode. And if they can increase the flow of sickness into your heart, they can increase the flow of money into their pockets. And whether we like it or not, we're being used, and we don't even know it. It's a sickness of the heart. Maybe it's an obsession with being in a relationship and everything flowing into your life is you're not complete without somebody else. You need to find the person that fulfills you, that completes you. And hear me, no human can complete you. Only Jesus completes us. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you that. I'm telling you that. Like no human will complete you. But this is, the, this is the flow is like you're not enough alone. You're not enough if you're single. Like, like you're not complete if you're a single person hear me, Jesus did humanity pretty well, and he was a single man. So if you're single, you're complete. You're okay. And and, and listen, I'm praying for you if you want to find a relationship, but you don't need it to fulfill your life. But this is, again, what are you listening to? What's the music on your playlist? What's streaming into your life, feeding into your heart, and you don't even know it, but you're like, man, why, why am I never okay alone? Why am I never at peace for who I am? Mark 7, 21 says, For from within, out of the heart of man, and then he gives this list, and it's a pretty huge list, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. I'm like, holy cow, Jesus, did you leave anything out? Why did he do that? Why such an expansive list? What's Jesus saying? He's saying everything wrong with your life flows from your heart. Every sickness that you, that you don't want in your life, it's flowing from your heart and you will never fix the problem if you don't admit that your heart is sick and needs help. You're never going to fix it. In fact, I will tell you, I bet there's marriages in the room today that would get healed and be on the road to healing if, if two people would come together and go, listen, I got to be honest, I think my heart's sick. That stuff I keep saying, I think it comes from somewhere. Uh, those those words I keep using, the the decisions I keep making, I think it's coming from somewhere. Maybe I don't know where, but I think it comes from somewhere in my heart. See, that's the place of somebody who can get healed, is when you admit that your heart is sick. But this isn't the world that we live in. You see, our culture focuses on symptom management, but what Jesus does is he deals with the heart. There are podcasts, books galore, everything you need on how to change your habits. There's very little about how to change your heart, but the Bible is all about the heart. The scriptures are all about changing your heart, and it's not as complicated as we make it. Some of you are like, I don't know what it looks like to follow Jesus faithfully. I don't know all these laws and rules that get so complicated. Well, Jesus makes it very simple. We read about it in Romans 13, 8. It says, oh, no one anything except to love each other. Now, don't miss this. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So you're like, how do I, how do I please God? What, what do I do to follow God faithfully? Love. That's why when 
the religious leaders tried to nail Jesus down. They said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He said, just love God and love your neighbor. It all boils down to this. It boils down to love. And where does love flow from? What's the answer? The heart. It flows from the heart. It's all about the heart. So how do we change what's flowing out of our life? If, you're, if you would be honest today enough to say, I don't love everything flowing out of my life. I don't love everything that's coming out of my mouth. I don't love every thought that I have in my mind when I'm laying in bed at night. I don't, I don't love the decisions I'm making or the decisions I'm choosing not to make. How do we change what's flowing out of our lives? Another hunting story with my dad. We were walking in the woods in Wyoming and uh, walking through this field and there's a creek running through the field and I got up to it and it was crystal clear. And I, it was like 80 degrees out, 90 degrees out. I was hot. And so I was like, Dad, I got to get some water. He's like, don't you drink that water? And I was like, looks about as clear as can be. And he said, don't, don't drink it. Make you sick. And I'm like, yeah, like any kid, I know more than Dad. That's how it is. I always know more than Dad. And I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. I'll, I'll trust him just this once, you know. So we kind of meander along with the stream. And before I know it, we get to this fence. I'm like, what's this fence doing here? We cross the fence, get into this field, and it's a, it's, it's a cattle pasture. And there are cow- there's a hundred cows. They're everywhere, and they're literally like laying in the creek, pooping in the creek, right? Peeing in the creek. Like the creek is nasty, but down below it looked really good, right? Crystal clear. And I was like, oh, thanks, Dad. I appreciate that. And what I realized is like, this is kind of like my heart. This is like my life. It looks really good on this end, the things that we're going after. It looks so appealing, but it's sickness flowing into our lives. And the only way to get healed is to get to what are called the headwaters. And the headwaters are where the water begins. It's where it comes up out of the ground, and it's always the cleanest place to get water. You'll see this in Alaska where you'll be driving down the Seward Highway, and there's like a pipe coming out of a mountain. And you're like, what's everybody doing there? Their cars are parked all over the place. What are they doing? They're getting water, right? Because it's flowing straight out from the ground. That's literally called a headwater. It's a place that the water originates from. Friends, Jesus is the headwater for our lives. He is the only place to find the peace that you're looking for. It's it's the only way. In fact, this is an image that Jesus uses throughout the Gospels when he's talking with people. He calls himself living water. I love the story of the woman at the well because I I just always refer to it because it's such a beautiful example of how we tend to come to Jesus is we're just looking to quench our thirst. We just want to feel better for a minute. We just want some kind of salve on these wounds, but we don't actually want to get healed. And Jesus says, I can get you healed. I can give you living water that will turn into a well, a spring that will never run dry within you. Jesus literally is the living water. He is the head water for everything you're looking for in your marriage, in your life. He's the headwater to give you the peace that you're looking for. You see, we're not about behavior modification. We're about gospel saturation. We're not about behavior modification. We're about gospel saturation. I spent five minutes to make that rhyme, so give me some love on that. I'm just telling you. I just, thank you, thank you, thank you. Golf clap. I appreciate that. No, this is huge. This is huge. Is that We're not about just change your behavior, change your behavior, do the right thing. We're about letting the gospel transform us. And when God changes your heart, your life will be changed. Like what you do will be transformed by the change of your hearts. We want to be saturated in the headwaters of Christ. We want to be saturated, not just drinking in, but but flowing out, covering us with the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is this. You can't save yourself. You can't heal yourself. You can't fix yourself if you could, you would have done it by now. 
But you can't. What we need is a savior, a rescuer, a perfect, spotless lamb to pay for every mistake in our lives. And Jesus comes willingly to do that. Lives the perfect life we could never live. Dies the death that we didn't have to die because we received him in fullness. This is the invitation. This is good news is that you can be at peace today and that he can heal every wound and he will heal every wound. Proverbs 4.23. This text is... uh, If you're a church person, if you've been in the church for over like 10 years, you're going to roll your eyes at this text because you've heard it a hundred times, but um, if you roll your eyes, you miss the point. It says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all things. The word guard here in this text has like military implications. If you're in the military, if you've ever been stationed some, somewhere and, and maybe you're, you're at an outpost and you're up on a wall and you're watching for the enemy, I mean, how do you guard that outpost? The answer is with everything. With everything you have, right? Because you know if people get in the gate, we're in trouble. And so you, you don't sleep when you're on post. Like, you're not sitting there on your iPhone. Like, you're watching. You're looking. You're paying attention. You are guarding the outpost. And this isn't just like, guard your heart. So, you know, try to think happy thoughts. The kind of guarding here implies intention, focus, and even violence. What are you willing to be violent against so that you can get your heart set free? How desperately are you to get set free in your heart? How desperately do you want to guard your heart? Maybe it's, it's like, I'm going to do something drastic here. I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going I'm to make a major change in my life to guard my heart. Because what this text says is it determines the entire course of your life. Like everything of your life is determined by what flows into your heart. And if you're downstream from the sewage, it's no wonder that there's sickness on the course of your life. If you're downstream from the bacteria of the culture around us, it's no wonder that your relationships are failing, that you never feel peace, that you're full of anxiety, that you're angry, that the things flow, that flow from your mouth don't make any sense to you. Like There's something flowing into your life that you've got to cut it off. And are you willing to be violent towards that thing? Maybe there's a relationship in your life you need to cut off. And you're like, this person is a sickness to me. And Listen, to love Jesus and to love people does not mean that you have to be in a close relationship with everybody. Let me just empower you in that. Healthy boundaries are sometimes the best way to love people. Can I, can I, somebody, I just gave somebody some freedom for their in-laws. Like, I'm just helping you out. It's okay to have healthy boundaries with people. Sometimes that's the best way to love them. Because you've got to guard your heart. It's going to determine the course of your life. So here's a few things you can do. I want to help you out. Uh, first, you need to be honest about what's living in your heart. Some of you are ready for this, some of you aren't. Some of you are like, man, I'm just going to get back on, what's the new one, threads? You on threads? I'm going I'm to post on. Some of you, you're not there. You're not, you're not ready to deal with the reality of the sickness living in your heart. Some of you are you're feeling it. Like, you know exactly what it is right now. You're like, this is making me sick. You've got to be honest that there's sickness in your heart. You've got to stop being fake. I have a friend that says this. He says, fake you's doing just fine. Fake you's doing just fine. The fake you can't get healed, but the real you can. If you'll be the real you for a couple minutes, like, we can get healed. You got to start to go like, hey, you hate your boss for a reason. You're bitter with your spouse for a reason. 
You don't want to serve in the church for a reason. You don't want to pray anymore for a reason. You're drinking for a reason. Like, it flows from somewhere, and until you're willing to admit that it's flowing from your heart, you will never get healed. Next thing is this. Um, you got to get to the root of how it got there. Uh, if you start to do a little internal work tonight, just leave church, enjoy the day, but when it slows down this evening, if you'll just spend a couple minutes praying and saying, God, where did this sickness flow from? What's, where's the cattle field that's flowing bacteria in, into my life? What he will do through the Holy Spirit is show you that. He'll show you like, oh, do you remember when you had this conversation when you were 12? And it led to this and it led to this. He'll start to show you, do you remember when these words slipped and it just started a new course for the things that you would say? Do you remember when you watched this? Do you remember this image from when you were like 20 years old or 10 years or whatever? Like these things stick with you sometimes. Do you remember when this happened in your marriage and it, it set a course for the way your heart is, has been? And I, I believe through the Holy Spirit, God will show you like, like, do you see the root is this type of image that you're putting into your life, this type of music that you're putting into your life. And I love music. But I'm just, you got to be honest about what's flowing in. So for my wife and I, this is, you're going to laugh. We've realized that uh, for the sake of our marriage, we watch very few Hallmark movies. I'm just, I'm being real with you. So I can make you ladies angry. That's fine. That's fine. But this is just, this is just us. You do what you, do what you want to do. You do you. But we realized, we were like, man, this is, we had these weird arguments and fights that are coming out of nowhere, you know, and like strange things. And man, why isn't our marriage the way it's supposed to be? And we're like, oh, because we're comparing it to a stupid TV show, right? And, and if you watch enough of this stuff, you'll start to get a twisted view of reality. It's just, can I just tell you, Hallmark ain't real, friends. It ain't real. Get set free. It ain't real. But whatever it is for you, that's for us. We're like, we got to limit the flow of Hallmark into our lives. So sorry, Hallmark, if you're watching. Um, what is it for you? I had to stop listening to podcasts that were critical about the church. Because I went through a season of being very critical toward the church. I went through a season of, of personal deconstruction in my own faith and uh, frustration with the, specifically the American church. And I started listening to podcasts and reading books and having conversations that, of course, confirmation bias, they, they, they built up what I already believed. And I had to cut that off to start to see the other side of things. And, and, and when I did, all of a sudden it was like, it was like that sunlight piercing through the clouds. I could just start to see the truth for what it was again. And balance entered into my life again. And I could see the good and the bad. And I don't know what it is or who it is that you need to cut off, but, but you've got to cut off the flow. And you've got to run to the living water. And you've got to get the water that springs up into life through your heart. And the last thing is this, so important, is that you've got to let the gospel change your heart. I want to be the first to tell you that you cannot do this on your own. You can't change your heart. Uh, you can't leave here and go, well, that's good, Brian. I'm just going to have a better heart. Uh, the Bible says this. The, the Bible says that your heart is sick to the point of death. Uh, that we're literally dead in our sins and transgressions. And, and so what God does is he doesn't show up and go, I'm going to try to like fix your broken heart. It says that I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, Ezekiel 36. And I'm going I'm I'm to heal you and make you new. And so God wants to give you a new heart through the power and the truth of the gospel. But you can't receive it until you know you need it. 
And if you're still here going, I still think I have a good heart, you're just not ready to receive a new heart. But when you're ready to go, okay, listen, any good in my life, it doesn't flow from me, it flows from Jesus and by God's grace. And even Christians, if you've been in the church for a long time, I want you to be careful because we live in this tension. We live in this tension of the reality that God gives us a new heart, yet we still have flesh. And so we can assume our hearts are always in the right place. And let me be the first to say, my heart is not always in the right place. And that I have to constantly discipline myself to look critically at my heart. And there are parts of it that God has healed and restored. And there's still parts of it that, that, are, that are not yet healed and restored. And one day he will heal and restore my entire heart. I will go and be with him. Every wound will be healed. And that's the promise for all of us. But you've got to be real and go, man, if there's good things in my marriage right now, it's by the grace of God, not by the goodness of me. If you actually have a good relationship with your kids after they moved out of the house, trust me, you're not that awesome. God's awesome. And he gave you the, the grace to be able to raise them and, and to build them up into a place where they want to be around you. That's, that's awesome. I said, if you're doing great in your job and you're loving what you do, man, don't leave here going, man, I'm awesome. Leave here going, God is so good. He is so gracious. Man, I still have sickness in my heart. So if you know that, man, you'll be ready and you'll be on guard when the sickness starts to flow in because, listen, the enemy is always ready to come into the tent. He's always willing to come into the tent. If you just zip it open a little bit, he'll, he'll, he will find a way to come in. And he wants to wreck your marriage. He wants to wreck your life. So let's, how do we move forward in this? I think a few things. Why don't you grab your action card off your seat? Um, this is just something we do as a family. You might be sitting on it or it's under your seat somewhere, but I just want to encourage you to do this as a routine here every single week is check one of these boxes. And we want to send you a text this week to encourage you. I want to send you a text to let you know we're praying for you in your next step. Maybe today you're just saying, I need, I need a new heart. I don't know how to get that. Well, you, you get that by beginning a relationship with Jesus. And he is ready and willing to heal you. He's ready and willing to, to change your heart. Maybe you're, uh, you're admitting that you have heart problems today. Is that you? You're going, okay, I've been doing symptom management for so long, I need to start to deal with the sickness inside of me. Maybe it's you admitting and saying today, I need to talk to a friend. Listen, we need accountability and friends who will lead us towards what is good. I'll say this over and over again. You need to have friends with people in our community that don't want anything to do with God, but your closest friends need to love Jesus. Your closest friends need to be people that will lead you toward the living water, not towards more of the pollution. So, so find some friends. Be honest today. And maybe you're here today and you're like, Brian, I, I don't know where to begin. I just feel stuck and lost and I just need prayer for freedom. Listen, that's, sometimes that's all you, all you can do and, and that's all you need to do is just mutter these words, God, I need you. And, and God will meet you in that place and begin to give you what you need to get set free in your heart if you'll just start by admitting that there's sickness in your heart and that Jesus is the living water that can bring you the healing you need. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for us for a moment here. I just sense in this room that Some of you have hardened your heart. Where God is saying, guard your heart, we've hardened our hearts to the truth. So I'm just praying, Jesus, would you soften all of our hearts, including mine? 
to the areas of my life where I've hardened myself to you. Maybe there's some of you today, and uh, if you're honest, you have numbed your heart. And you're like, man, I I would love to feel again, but I don't feel anything. Because I've just numbed my heart. There's just been too much pain. Holy Spirit, would you help the person who has a numb heart today to begin to feel again? To not fear emotions and feelings, and to not fear being in your presence, but to know that you are a good father. God, I pray for the person who's just left the tent open for a long time, and there's just, there's just sickness and bacteria and pollution flowing into their life, and they're not sure how to shut it off. God, maybe they're not even sure if they want to shut it off. God, would you give them a vision of something better for their lives? God, that you do have peace available. God, that you do have fulfillment available and that the things that they've run to to seek hope, peace, and fulfillment will never satisfy, but Jesus always does. Holy Spirit, we can't make these changes. God, in this church are so many stories, God. Uh, We can't do this alone, but God, you can work miracles through the power of your Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come into our lives convict, call us into something better. Humble us, we pray. Do what it takes, God, for us to know that, man, our hearts aren't good, but yours is. And Father, help us not to live in that place of a dead heart, but to embrace fully the reality of our new hearts in you, God. You have made us clean. You have made us holy. You have made us good, God, and that attraction to things that destroy us is no longer who we are, God. That's the sickness that's living inside of us. But God, we reject that sickness and we claim, God, that you are the one that guides our hearts. God, you are the one that we live for. So change us and challenge us, we pray. God, heal our church, heal our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.